Welcome to the Futile Podcast. Tonight, it's Ian and Futile South. And Futile South. <laughs> Jeff and reporting. And Jeff. Jeff reporting. And we're just kind of, um, I don't know, doing a little bit of a grab bag catch up, uh, I think, under the pretense of maybe we're going to talk about some Mike Oh, and we're definitely going to talk about some uh, Manhunter. Did you see it recently? Because I saw it recently. Uh, I didn't see it recently. I saw, let's see, I mean, I guess I listened to another podcast uh, talk about it recently, and I listened, or I had a conversation with a friend at work um, about it, because she had listened to... Um, I don't know. I can't remember the name of it. Maybe it's it's not behind the bastards. It's one of those, uh, you know, kind of artsy fartsy podcasts, right? Um, and she was just talking about how much she loved the cinematography and stuff. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> Joan Allen's a great uh, blind lady. <laughs> yeah. No, I think um, so. I mean, I just listened to the Film Junk Hannibal podcast where they talked about it. So. And uh, uh, yeah. and I think I've seen it twice in the last like two years, which is pretty unheard of for me. I wouldn't normally have done that, but uh, I bought the Blu-ray after I watched it when it was on Amazon about a year and a half ago. And uh, there's a director's cut on there, so this we should maybe get in get into that a little. So I watched the director's cut, so I guess it was kind of like I got to watch a different version. <laughs> is that the Shout Factory one? Yes. I heard it's really nice. That's the one I don't have. I have like a steelbook older version but it's not a great blu-ray is but it, here that's uh, the that's the one to have yeah it's, it seems good like i said i didn't watch the the proper theatrical i watched the director's cut which has uh, clearly has uh um like sourced footage of a couple of scenes that are not as high a quality just sort of mm. cut into it and in a few spots it's it's pretty jar- one or two spots it's like a full scene almost and then in a few spots it's almost like a cut back to like pretty jarring kind of Superman Donner cut <laughs> I mean I never saw the Donner cut but I mean I'm just saying oh wow so, yeah like so, Donner so, cuts uh, that's an epic disaster like I, it's it's hard to watch for me like I get the charm and the it's cool to like rebuild it but it's like it's like demo reel stuff of like Clark and Lois, <laughs> like the the way in the Donner cut that Donner wanted to do it was like um, Lois like fakes shooting a blank at him or something instead right. of like the um, jumping in the water uh, up at uh, Niagara Falls or whatever, which I prefer. So I don't know. But what's the what's the director stuff that's noteworthy or different in Michael Mann's director's in, cut? In Mike Mann's director, the, there's only really, I think there's a uh, like a scene where he's on the phone with his wife. So there's maybe a little extra bit of that, and then there's a, um, a very man like thing. There's a, a police uh, station. Uh, <laughs> You know, when they get all the cops together and they do like a description of what's going on, like in the, you know, in the, in the room <laughs> when they all got tables and chairs. I don't know why I'm blanking on this term or maybe I've never really, you know, they kind of get them all together and they describe it. You're kind of like a man, um, uh, a mind hunter kind of, kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I know the, <laughs> the meeting you're talking about. So they're just like showing them the mug shots and here's the guy we're after and he's got yeah, fake yeah. teeth and, and all that stuff. All right. Yeah. And like some people have taken to calling him the tooth fairy, but let's not do that. And then, so I don't know how much it, that whole scene looked like that was like sourced from something that was old like maybe a dvd or even a vhs i don't know hmm. and um i mean it was it was still widescreen so who knows but um 
Yeah, so I, I, like I said, it's, it, it had been long enough since I had seen the original cu- or theatrical cut, so I couldn't really place it. It seems to me like the the, uh, the director's cut has less is less um, like horror movie opening because I, I, I I'm weird about remembering stuff because like the the tooth fairy goes into the house. It starts with like you know the video footage and he goes into the house and you see the people. Yep. sleeping in bed and he's got the light on the woman and she slowly starts to sort of wake up and I feel like in the theatrical cut it's like she wakes up and kind of almost screams and it like does some kind of weird zoom in or something yeah uh, that sounds familiar I mean what you're I mean the intro that you're right. describing is like the, the number one thing I've remembered about it ever since or I, what I remember about my first viewing when I was little watching that like because I just thought that was so creepy that POV it's very creepy POV, yeah. per, but I feel like she does like kind of sit up in bed and then it cuts to it okay, cuts or it hits the title pops up yeah. on the screen or something like that but the, yeah she always got up I think yeah yeah and she gets up in the director's cut and but I thought that she got up and there was a little bit longer with it and then it kind of like had like a music cue or something that made it seem a little more like yeah like like a horror movie or something moment yeah like, oh no I feel like he's got a flashlight in her face or something and she's right. like blinded by it and that's part of the the thing with the tooth fairy that he sees, like the mirrors, the light, right? In her eye. And that's kind of interesting the way man handled that, and the way they do in that shitty remake uh, that Brett Radner handled. Right. Um, but that kind of stuff is uh, interesting. But yeah, what you're describing is like the creepiest part to me. Is like I know someone's walking around in a house where everybody's sleeping, and yeah. he's gonna kill all of them. <laughs> Yeah, it was creepy for me too because I live I live out in my uh, you know I'm sort of the steward of my folks' place out here in the woods and uh, you know it is like that it's a big enough house like to me almost like someone could could come in through one uh, a door somewhere and if I was dead dead asleep they could you know do whatever they wanted for a while I wouldn't even necessarily know they were here for like a day or something potentially <laughs> not quite that bad but uh, but yeah so so when I was watching I was kind of ooh this is gonna this is a little scary this is extra scary to me this time now that I'm thinking about it that way you know some low life wanders up the road <laughs> yeah I thought of you or I thought of your house uh, when I was watching oh shit what's that guy's name uh, the night comes for us maybe or wait no it's got um, it's got the guy from um, uh, the Ultimate Fighting movie. Um, okay, yeah, you're thinking of Joel Edgerton. Yeah, right? Joel Edgerton in that and movie it, where it, he's it, out, it, he lives out in the woods and it's like the right with his family. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's a good example. I mean, I, I we're just we're just gonna have to see how the world turns, but you know, we'll see how many what's going on. Um, <laughs> well, you'll you'll be you'll be one of the last survivors, so. I, I always kind of kind of figured that the, that the way I'm gonna go out is gonna be kind of like a Michael Caine and Children of Men sort of scenario, <laughs> like help helping some people get away out the back while you know the punk criminal guys come and then I I get taken out you know because I because my shotgun jams or something. Oh, what a martyr! Very nice. I know, I know. Well, well, I'm not looking forward to it. I'm just saying this. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So so this was I think this would be man's. Or it's, I think it's his fourth film because he did Jericho Mile, which we both have recently watched. Oh, love, with, uh, love it with Brian Dennehy, and I, I, that was a TV movie. right? It was, yeah, and it, it felt very much like it, but it was like a very good TV movie, right? You know, I was, uh, I was like, yeah, this is like 
Because I don't remember... I mean, I remember that they made TV movies, but they were actually pretty... I mean, they weren't super cinematic or anything, but, like, they were a proper movie. Oh, yeah. You know? I mean... It, <laughs> and and, it, and it, it plays like a proper movie, but, yeah, I guess, I, guess, I mean, probably, you know, it, it's a little... Uh, a little more tame than like it would have, you know, it probably would have been an R-rated oh, movie. Oh, for sure. It's that. like, you know, you look at Spielberg's Duel or whatever and you're like, that's a great movie, but it just happened to be a TV movie. Or, um, yeah. I feel like there's other examples, but I don't know. I don't think that it's limited by that, but yeah, they just kind of don't make him anymore. That was like, that was probably early, I don't know if H- what where HBO was at and stuff, cable channels like that were, I don't know if they were you know, they never weren't producing their own stuff, so somebody yeah, would, somebody was buying they it. W- wouldn't have been around yet, but yeah, Jericho Mile, I thought I thought was good, and in some ways, it's probably better, t- in my opinion, that it was a TV movie because because it could focus more on like the character stuff and not just go. And I don't know that man would have opted for this anyway, but not just go like gross prison, disgusting, you know, yeah, <laughs> stuff like like it doesn't have to have a bunch of well, like of all that all that stuff you see in a, a lot of other prison. But you get enough of it to know like it sets up like kind of an interesting kind of culture and for a while there you're watching and you're like well these guys are just kind of like they just kind of get along or whatever and then you see the, the you know the different factions and and i don't know i i enjoyed it as a as sort of a odd little pseudo modern dark fairy tale or whatever you want to call it yeah for sure no i um i liked it as well i mean denny he was kind of fun it wasn't it's nothing like cinematic or whatever if you're uh <laughs> if you're looking for a you know, a, a Michael Mann like <laughs> pinnacle movie. Uh, it's not that, but like for what it is, it was really <laughs> it was yeah. fun. I feel like it was probably is that a real story? I guess the I didn't. I don't think I bothered to, to research it. And honestly, when I it feels like it was, uh, and that's why it he, like it could he, have been. he yeah, probably right. read it, and because he's all about crime and prisons and stuff, I'm sure he was like researching something. You know, drilling down into prison subculture or some sort of nonsense and he heard this story like that and he was just like I'll do that so yeah he was young yeah, and, I could see that yeah. and, and then, then he did Thief after that which is like definitely when you're first getting all of the Michael Mann stuff I mean I think I think Thief Manhunter and Heat and uh, I mean maybe well LA maybe Confidential's in there somewhere too because that was kind of his proof of concept pre-Heat and it's it was a TV movie and yeah, I mean... The, well, he did a version of L.A. Confidential? Or, I'm sorry, not L.A. L.A. Takedown. Have you never seen oh. it? No. No, what I've seen is the thing that seemed like a weird oh. post, post-heat thing. He did... It was like it got like one episode or something on CBS with Tom Sizemore. No, no, it was, no. It, it, was, it would have been in like the early aughts or something like that? No, I, oh, okay. I mean, L.A. I mean, the whole story of Heat was a TV movie. <laughs> Like oh, like wow. with Macaulay and uh, um, all the characters, like um, oh shoot, who who plays Wayne? Uh, the um, Xander Berkeley, you know who that is? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, he's he's, the, he's, he's the, Wayne yeah, Grow <laughs> in Takedown. Um, it's just like uh, you know the shootouts and stuff are very TV movie. It's like a it looks like a MacGyver episode or something the way I remember oh, okay. it. But uh, it's it's interesting to see. Like, if you, like, know the, the Heat story and stuff, um, like, what the proof of concept was, like... <laughs> um, Interesting. I but didn't yeah. know that. No, no. When he, was he been doing that, then? Would that have been before Miami Vice and stuff? Well, that's what I was asking. I was like, it had to have been around the same time, because it's an older, you know, pro- yeah. probably pre-Thief, I would guess. Um, 
But Thief is eighty one. Yeah, then it's got to be late seventies, early eighties, somewhere, somewhere oh, around oh, Thief. Then. Okay. But um, yeah, I don't know the. Cr- that's some good research we need to do, though. Um, <laughs> but that's what made me yeah. think, like, because I know he took the Neil Macaulay story from like, like some Chicago cop or something. Um, right. There's some backstory to that. Like, man always researches his stuff and is, you know, he's kind of ahead of the times on, you know things before they become in vogue um that's what made me think like jericho miles just like oh man i heard this cool story and i just want to tell it rather than just like adapt it and make it something bigger or something his own right yeah no that's that's likely what's going on yeah i feel like i feel like la takedown is on um it's on youtube i feel like that's where i watched it like like the okay, whole yeah. like the whole thing is on YouTube. It's worth a watch though. It's and you'll see some familiar faces. Like I feel like maybe Michael T. Will, uh, what's his William? Michael T. Williams? Yeah, Michael T. Williams. Uh, yeah, he's he's one of the cops, and he's the one that's talk that's talking to. Uh, maybe he's uh, the what's her name? Yeah, um, Ashley Judd at the end. Yeah, it's not as big a story. It's more like Neil versus uh, Neil versus the cops, um, and right. the. It's just the um, the guy, the two leads are just not <laughs> Pacino and De Niro, so it's of course yeah. it falls and it's very not flat. Cinematic level production value and well, you, all that. You see little flourishes of like, all right, oh, sure, he, yeah. he had an he, idea for this, and then you see heat, and you see where he took that idea and blew it up. He's like, this kind of worked. I'm gonna make this. I'm gonna focus on this and make it, you know, way better. So, but yeah, very check it cool. out. It's yeah, I'll have to look at it for for. At completionist quality, I guess. <laughs> L.A. Confidential. Which one is that? What did I confuse it with? Is that the Kevin Spacey one? Yeah, that's right. the Kevin Spacey and uh, oh, uh, Russell Crowe. Guy Pierce. Uh, yeah. Guy Pierce. Yeah. Oh, right. Right. Like, wrong run. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah so so Manhunter is definitely cool because of because I think it's like uh, they're letting Michael Mann do do a lot of interesting and experimentally type of things, you know? <laughs> like, I, I, I think I said when I, in, in my letterbox review for it the last time I watched it that it's kind of like, um, I, I don't know, I, I, it's something about a student film, but, like, if, if like, a, it was, like, a really, if it was really well, somebody with, like, that still had the, like, mentality of a, of a film student, like, <laughs> but, the, but the execution <laughs> of, like, a proper, proper person, you know? yeah proper pr- proper production and all that you know because of all the uh you know there's the jump cuts and the weird and the weird things and just just like ch- choices of camera placement and and it, it's got like a lot of um perfect shots perfect shot yeah but shots that like are i mean it's it's not really necessarily indulgent i'm sure it is but that's always a problematic term but it's um like i always think of the of the really wide shot um or long shot or whatever it would be with um, uh, with Graham when he, uh, he's done seeing Lecter and he's having his sort of like little panic attack thing and he's running the the, the zigzag of the, of, the, of the structure of the building yep. and it's like just to, to me like that's the kind of thing that I would do like making a student film you know I'd be oh well this is a cool structure let's just have the guy run and like that probably will get cut down or whatever but so there's a lot of stuff like that in this like movie that could otherwise be a, a pretty bland kind of thriller procedural and then everything that's there um i mean i didn't read the book i don't i don't know um we've seen you know i've seen the um 
the other version, uh, like you said, the uh, Edward Norton uh, Red Dragon, Brett, Brett, Brett Ratner Red Dragon version, and and there are moments that are the same, like like delivery or to a degree, <laughs> you know. Um, you had certain disadvantages. You're insane. <laughs> it's like the same li- same line. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I, I think the first time I saw it, I don't even remember if I knew it was Michael Mann. But um, I saw it, the, and and you know me, I'm I'm all big on like uh, context for viewing and having things just right. And I I mean that's just how it has to be for me because I didn't really like it that much the first time I saw it because I saw it like on Christmas. Like a, like a Christmas break, like my freshman year of college, I was back home, and um, like I you know rented a handful of whatever movies or something. I think I watched California around the same time. Maybe I was in a serial '90s serial oh. serial killer. I don't remember what, but um, and yeah, I, but I, and I put it on like late, like you know, like at two a.m. or something, and it's very dreamy with the score and and, and a lot of places, and I don't think I like passed out necessarily, but. Certainly, like, wrapped up in bed kind of cold at, at like, super late is not the best time. In the, in the winter is not the best time to, to watch this. For me, it wasn't. Yeah. Because I think, I think part of it is that when it switches gears and becomes more about the Tom Noonan character, the Tooth Fairy, um, I was kind of like, what? Okay, it's doing this now. And then that almost makes it feel like a TV show or something to a degree. Like, now we're talking, we're doing the episode about this character. I like that. I that's lo- that's so, I love that's all so of different. Now, yeah. yeah. Had you, I assume you had seen Science of the Lambs first for context? Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah, you were, no, I had seen, and I had you seen were going first. into it saying like, oh, I heard this was, because that's kind of my first memory of her. I remember my dad, uh, like got me into it. Um, because I think I had gone on a trip with him when, like, I saw Manhunter when I was pretty young. I feel like I was oh, probably wow. under ten. But I oh, remember, wow. I remember I traveled with him. I think it was to Atlanta. It's, it's, it, the conversation started because we were in the hotel that um, Graham is staying at. It's like, it's not the the one where you're describing. Um, the the all white place where he's running down the um, running down the steps or whatever. It's one of the other hotels, the tall hotels, where he's just talking to his voice recorder or whatever. I remember right. my my dad was like, he's like, yeah, I've seen this uh, hotel before in uh, Manhunter, and I was like, what's that? And I had seen Silence of the Lambs with him, and he, and I was just like freaked out. <laughs> well, I, at nine nine, I would think that would freak you out. Yeah. Well, I don't I don't remember when Silence came out, but I remember I feel like I had seen Manhunter first, and but I had never connected the Hannibal Lecter is the same person in both those right. movies because you know there wasn't any you know trilogy cred or any sort of chrono like nobody cared about chrono <laughs> about yeah uh, right yeah you know there was no there was no lector verse at the time no, exactly there's no franchise so um but yeah i remember my dad he's like uh reminding me about it um and telling me about the movie then and he's like well that's the original hannibal lecter and i was like oh man let's we gotta rent this so we went and rented it and I was just like, oh man, that's crazy. And I like the only thing I remember. I remember the opening scene that I already mentioned. And I remember the Inagata Devita uh, like ending thing, and thinking that was really cool. <laughs> yeah, I always forget the Inagata Devita part, and I, I kind of I think that maybe I don't like that part as much. Probably because it's some. I mean, it's neat and it's cool. I don't know. I don't dislike it, but compared to other parts of it, maybe I feel like it's 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 sort of a 
it wraps up things in a kind of quick way, which is maybe kind of cool too. I don't know. I'm I'm a, a bit ambivalent about that last bit, but I like. Uh, I, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to put. And really, to me, like Manhunter seems a lot, and it's probably because it's like set, you know, in a tropical environment, places. It feels a lot like a proof of concept from Miami Vice or something. <laughs> I, I definitely agree with that. But I think like what what you just mentioned is something I would probably say about him talking about Manhunter is like he picks like interesting like things that kind of don't belong in the story it's just like all right well will is going to be in the florida keys whatever's because i want to shoot a bunch of stuff that i like and you know speed boats and sea turtles and all that shit so you know uh same thing with heat like you pick like odd you know places like like that dog fighting or no right or yeah, not the yeah, dog the fighting place the yeah the junkyard where all the porsches are like with that big pile of like yellow sand or whatever that's in the back have you ever yeah you know what i'm talking about yeah like he just has an eye for like this would be cool i'm gonna find a place to put this into this bigger story all right so he's yeah. just forcing the hand of stuff but yeah i think it, the miami it, vice it works really well the miami vice thing for sure yeah because you get i mean because i think what he's always been good at is is immersion and i think a lot of that is, is with locations yeah and like you said there's a depth to them often and you know like you're thinking of that that pile of yellow sand in the background i mean that stuff that will stick with you i mean you can watch that's what i was trying to sort of do this time when i when i was watching manhunter is like well okay i know it's really stylized there's a lot of like visuals and i'm like okay if i've seen it recently i'll do i really was just kind of watching it i didn't enjoy it as much this time i think probably because it had been too soon but also the, the director's cut thing was kind of like jarring me and then i was just sort of you know, along for the ride, but I mean, I, I still liked it a lot. But I, I think that maybe some of the music cues are different than the director's cut too. Like it, it maybe doesn't land as strongly, or maybe it's like because I don't know if the, the time I watched it like two years ago might have been the second time I'd ever seen it, and so that oh, might wow. have been the, the time it really turned around in my head. I was like, okay, this is awesome. Well, they had you know? it, it was cool score. It was kind of John Carpenter y, synthy kind of like right. Um, um, I don't know, killer, I mean, not just score, but also, like, just songs, like, not, yeah. um, songs that are just one hit, well, not even no-hit wonders, but <laughs> they work for this. Yeah, it, it gives it, like, a whole, like, um, the Strong As I Am stuff, the strong as I am heart, and, Heartbeat, yeah. I feel like, I, I, <laughs> I know the name of those now, because, like, I've seen Manhunter, you know, lots of times, but, um, you know, if I said that to somebody who's not a a movie geek, they'd be like, "I don't know what you're talking about." Yeah, I bought the soundtrack the last time I watched the movie, and I was like, "Okay, I got to get this soundtrack. I love some of this stuff." It's it's um it's just I mean, like uh, on the, the film drug podcast, I think um, Jay, Jay made a comment that that it it's like it feels like a movie set in the 80s that isn't necessarily like an 80s movie and i i i kind of get what he means uh i don't know that i would disagree with that yeah dollar but, dollar but hides I, apartment for sure yeah yeah like it's but, but it's just got all of these yeah it's it's all yeah it, it could only have existed then and only have been made then i think yeah. <laughs> early mtv type stuff exactly yeah and texture but done well i mean i for think sure. you know and still has the the character things and you know like my one of my favorite scenes is probably the cereal aisle scene with the son where he just he's just very honest and open because of the cereal things 
Well, I like because it's a good background. <laughs> like we talked about, that's a good that's it's a good background. Yep. Um, I'm not as you know blown away by this. I mean, I get a kick out of it, but I, I think for me, it's it's the um, the kind of honesty that he has with it and, and uh, straightforwardness that he has with his son and discussing you know his something. mental breakdown and something that's pretty pretty heavy. You know, yeah. What was the? Um, and it's an interesting setting to do that. You know, what was the conversation um, in the? Um, the Hurt Locker, where they have a, I feel like Jeremy Renner's talking to his son, or maybe it's his wife. Is it another? Yeah, I think it's is, is he talking about like PSD or something like that in the serial aisle in that movie? I feel I, like I Bigelow that that's was what stealing it, it. Yeah, well, who knows? Um, I mean, yeah, the, the film junk guys do mention that as they should just do a premium all about serial aisle conversations or whatever. <laughs> um, the uh, I, I have only seen that once, and I do own it, so I should probably revisit it at some point. Uh, I think uh, I think that it's a little more existential. I don't know that there's much of a conversation in Hurt Locker because I think it's more about kind of the juxtaposition of where he was and where he is. Mm-hmm. I mean, and grocery stores are like a perfect example for like not, not even necessarily American decadence and overconsumption or whatever, but just like – I mean, yeah, certainly you've got the, the cliche of, like, comparing, like, in the 80s, comparing, like, a Russian grocery store to an American grocery store or something. <laughs> but but just the idea of, like, there's also the connotation of, like, d- domesticity or whatever. I, I So I get the sense that, like, I don't know what the conversation is in Hurt Locker, but I feel like it's that he's kind of just bored. And he, I don't know that it, with that character is so much about being, uh, having PSD or anything, uh, or PTSD, P- <laughs> PTSD. Um, but, um, yeah, Pacific standard time, daylight, I don't know, whatever. Um, but I think it was that he kind of is like, a not an adrenaline junkie per se, but like he's, he, he likes his job. <laughs> yeah. He, and and it, even though it is a dangerous thing and he has a family and sort of a sense of responsibility and should just be done with that and, and all that. So I think I think that's what's more what's going on is that he's kind of wrestling with that there. And there might be some good conversation there. But it is sort of similar to what's going on with like uh, Will Graham and in, 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 uh, in, yeah, for sure. And Manhunter with his son is but because I, I mean, maybe it's just a good setting. I think I'll file that away for story writing. If you're ever doing kind of a dark or involved, or if you ever need to have two characters have kind of an existential conversation, grocery stores are a good public setting yeah. to do it. You know, cereal aisle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Go to the cereal aisle because um, it's breakfast food and it's the morning and it's commercialization and, and it's, it's all kinds and, of nifty and things. it's easy to make a period piece. Yeah, yeah. Just find some, you know, <laughs> some of those old oh. old boxes. I'm sure that there's people eBay in those old boxes for quite a pretty penny. Sure. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, uh, I mean, the investigation is pretty good. I mean, that's the other thing that man, that man does really well is that he gets into the, like, CSI investigative stuff uh, way ahead of anybody else, obviously. Yeah. Um, with uh, the toilet paper and, you know, you're so sly but so am I. And, all, <laughs> all, and they, they have, like, an hour to do all of that, and it's super fast and... And and stuff. So it gives it it gives it attention. It's like very procedural and kind of dry, but there's oh, but 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 it's front loaded with attention because of the time constraint. Yeah, and and sort of a sense that I I think you've already had the scene where Lecter uh, games the telephone so that he can he can find out oh yeah Graham's home home address. So you already know that there's something dangerous going on there too. So it's pretty well well orchestrated in, in that sense. I mean. 
And Brian Cox, I think, is really good as, as Lecter. Yeah, um, I, not, I agree. He doesn't have a lot to do, but in, like, the two scenes he's in or whatever, you know, he does something. But that's, I mean, that's kind of like, um, you know, Hopkins in Silence of the Lambs. He, you know, only had, like, ten minutes of screen time or whatever, but he made every minute count, so you remember him, so... I yeah, know. I mean, he that's has part the of the book. Of though. That extra set the, piece. the book yeah. kind of set the tone for that. And my memory says, like, I feel like I read part of Red Dragon um, that it was that Manhunter was based on. And the unfortunately, the Brett Ratner like ending and stuff is a little closer to the book. But I I would say I prefer how Michael Mann ends. It. He just kind of <laughs> it's done, you know. The cop, yeah. the cops raid is lake house or whatever, and you know he's done. Yeah, it has a sort of weird abruptness, and like you said, the heartbeat song is almost kind of cheesy. And but with it's the turtles sort of, surviving, yeah, 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 and then with the break, the breaking of the the sounds and the the colorfulness and the light. But it ends up being, you know, it ends up working. You know, yeah. <laughs> I, I think at the time. Uh, yeah, I don't know what audience would have made it, but I guess there wasn't much of an audience for it. I'm trying to to, to, to wrap my brain around what would or wouldn't have uh, you know set it back when it came out. If there was some other huge movie that opened the day the week before, you know, kind of like Star Wars and Sorcerer or something. Do you feel like Man and the whole like FBI profiler type stuff is that something like it's the earliest one that I can recall? But is that something you feel like he kind of pioneered or whatever that? went on to, you know, do all the other stuff to show a, a detective procedural or an FBI making a case sort of, you know, for, I, format I think, or whatever? I think on some level, it's, it, it, it probably is. Certainly certainly in the in modern storytelling, I mean, you've, you've had noirs. I mean, most noirs are either police detectives or private detectives. I don't know that there's too much with... And then, you know, uh, so, and I'm not an expert on all of those, so... I'm not. God damn it, though. I'm thinking of. I feel like there's something. Mindhunter. There's some. Well, obviously that, that's a not modern TV show, but no. What is it? Something just turned around in my head, of like an older movie where it's like a crime story or something, and it gets pretty procedural at one point. And it, oh, oh, um, I know what I'm thinking of. I think um, I'm thinking of like the Giallo movies. Oh, like a girl with the, pl- the Argento stuff. Girl, the, the, the crystal, yeah, the, the crystal plumage movie has a bit of that. I've never seen. Not I've never a, seen that. I, I've heard they're kind of like that. Now, I guess you could say like Hitchcock had a procedural sort of thing. Um, way, maybe way, way back. I don't, in the I don't day. know. But uh, uh, I'm not really sure about that. But, I've never, I haven't seen yeah. enough Jello stuff to. Uh, I've only seen a bit, but but in Crystal Plumage, there is at least. You know, they're you know the cops are talking to like a lab coat guy for a few minutes or so. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, and he's mentioning some way to to figure something out or to to get some evidence or or pull a print off something. I mean, I mean, so so there was there was a bit there, um, but and I mean, it's not like Manhunter is like strictly insanely procedural either. Uh, I mean, uh, I guess you've got Graham's investigation and going into the house and kind of thinking about it from that psychological profiler side. And then you have the FBI tech guys doing their stuff with the toilet paper and their treatments and, uh, uh, you know, chemical stuff there. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's certainly, you know, one of the first, I would say, um, yeah, I just you know you, you wouldn't know. have had CSI without it or whatever. Yeah, that's what it, that's what made me kind of think of it. I was just like, I feel like it kind of maybe took off around the same point, which made me associate it with this. And I was like, all right, well, what was this? 
the first or one of the first that I think it went was ahead there. of its time though, right? Because like it didn't it, it didn't do well at the theater, I don't think. I I don't know for sure if it did okay and uh, or if it just didn't I mean, you know, man got to keep making movies and he I think before this he had had uh The Keep which was kind of that one that got taken away from him and I've always wanted to see I've, like I've an, seen a, a man cut a man cut of The Keep. I mean, you can't even get like a good I've got a DVD of a VHS copy like transfer that's all that exists for it like you know yeah no I, it's, kind of, I, it's kind of too bad because it's got the tangerine dream score and it's michael mann putting his kind of yeah sensibility to like kind of a weird creepy horror type thing. i just i just remember it being really boring and the, the <laughs> tangerine dream uh being the only thing that i really remember about it i don't remember the plot or anything it's just this huge keep that's in yeah. Norway or something is. <laughs> it's yeah. I don't remember where it is, but it, I, I like. I, I, I'm more engaged by it because I like some of that kind of monster horror, like cosmic horror, whatever it would even be, and I like the like the the, the setting and and I like the music and I think it's it, it's got decent cinematography. But yeah, it does kind of read as kind of meandering in places or just strange. But I mean, I kind of like that about it. But even the, the the fact that it's like the, I mean, he's still got his name on it in the credits. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but so he did that. Then he did Manhunter. So he kind of had like, I don't know how well Thief did. I think Thief Thief's probably something that people certainly appre- appreciate. Uh, probably even then, a lot of people were probably like, "This is really good." So I haven't watched a lot of new stuff. Um, just scrolling through my, I think the last movie I saw at the theater would it have been Godzilla. King of the Monsters looks like it. Oh. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I just saw... Um, I finally saw some stuff that um, I didn't see in the theater, but is relatively new. I saw um, Bad Times at the El Royale. So did I, just recently. And I saw Glass. So, um, oh. check both those out. They were both okay. Not, uh, nothing great. Yeah, I've seen I've seen both of those. So what did you think of, uh, of Glass as like a f- trilogy finale i don't know what to even call it because that that is the m night Shyamalan movie right that's yep. what you're talking about okay right yeah it was um i mean it was all right i liked um i don't know i guess it was kind of hard to well let's say spoilers <laughs> oh absolutely always spoilers but uh me. yeah i mean it was i don't know uh <laughs> i feel like it was kind of weird that um sarah paulson's character's angle was to like humanely like kill all three of them or whatever um yeah like I'm a little, i was like what <laughs> I, that just didn't make sense to me like the motivation to like not want superheroes uh, makes sense but sure. the, but the way they would just you know feel like they would have to be humane about it didn't really make sense and the way they were trying to convince them and give them lobotomies and stuff to convince them that they actually aren't they don't have superpowers right. um i was just like well why are you putting all this, you know, all these, you know, flash light bulbs in their cell and water tanks to threaten to drown them if they actually don't have those powers? So, I don't know. Aside from those, like, disconnects, um, I feel like it was all right. It looked good. Um, but, uh, and it was kind of good that they, if, like, I was surprised that they brought the same kid from unbreakable back and he's right like whatever in his 20s probably and <laughs> yeah. uh you know stuff like that was was kind of fun to see but uh it was all right i don't know yeah. i feel like a samuel l jackson movie I, i'd want him to be talking and doing a lot more but he was like sedated the whole time so he's just twitching the whole movie 
Yeah, it was that was kind of especially when it's called glass, and you think, okay, well, yeah, it's gonna be, it should be more about him. I feel like he How didn't have a lot to do sedated? other than just wheel around and you know get caught on video doing stuff at night and all that sort of yeah. stuff. Yeah, I don't know, and and it's sort of, I mean, it was all very tricky because the the framework for Unbreakable, which I think is probably M Night Shyamalan's best movie, uh, in my opinion. Um, so like, you know, he's yeah, yeah. He you know, Glass is Glass is a bad guy, but then you have to sort of kind of be on his side in in the Glass movie a little because of the way he's being treated and this other enemy or antagonist antagonistic force that's being introduced and so you're kind of left wondering well like did he do a good thing at the end or what's I don't know it, it was a it was different though you know so, yeah and, and and they hinted at the big set piece you know skyscraper battle thing and then just didn't do that and I think <laughs> part of that is like you said it it looked it looked good it looked okay um, but the, you know it was really just uh, one location for the most part kind of story or it was shot you know in you know old factories and then in a in a insane asylum yeah didn't really like M. Night uh, bringing his character from Unbreakable back <laughs> for that's, redemption that's, that seemed like unnecessary right yeah for redemption where he's like yeah I was just yeah I cleaned now. myself I up <laughs> it's like good we were all real worried about yeah, that yeah yeah yeah, thanks for doing that. You know, thanks that's for like Tar- that's like Tarantino and Django level. Like, why did you do this to your movie? <laughs> yeah, thanks for closing the loop. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Tarantino but, uh, and Django. Yeah, he was terrible. Is that the one? That's the Australian accent. That's terrible. I think so. Yeah, and then he blows up or something. So at least he gets rid of himself quick. But <laughs> yeah, it's like, why are you here? I can't think. I, I can think of almost. Really, almost no situation where, if, if a big actor is also the director of the movie that they're in, where that's not kind of a problem. <laughs> yeah, I mean, with the exception of maybe like some Clint Eastwood movies, I would say it's usually oh, yeah, it usually yeah. stands out as being out of place. Well, I think with Clint Eastwood, it's because he's just sort of being he's bringing that aspect of whatever Clint Eastwood is to that role and then to that story. So it's kind of, true. It's, it, his movies are very. Uh, even to to this day are still very auteur in that sense <laughs> yeah um yeah what did you think of that bad time at the El Royale though? uh it was interesting um I feel like once it got into like the cult or I guess for lack of a better word spoilers for this too um yeah. it kind of I kind of got a little bored with it in the third act like how I was wrapping up I thought it would be like a mystery uh who done it sort yeah. of thing and that's I, maybe that was my expectations getting in the way but um, I feel like yeah. that's what I yeah. wanted but it turned you out to wanted... be, just be a siege kind of thing right yeah I think I agree with you there that it, they, decide, they set it up like it's maybe going to be more kind of like you said an ensemble mystery type of story and you know you're going to see these characters interact more and other than like in that first act where they kind of all checking in then it sort of stays with just one or two of them and it's it's it seems kind of um almost like a, an anthology movie in a way i think you know because because you, you have the stuff with the john ham character and then that kind of reveals yeah okay there's they, some kind of espionage thing like this is a hotel where they were like you know would would you know blackmail people or something yeah again it's exactly what you just mentioned i it's like clue i wish it was clue i wish john ham was mr green and he's uh secretly working for the fbi and all that but they yeah. killed him off so soon it was just like all right well yeah now we got to focus on dakota johnson and she 
can't act very well and um, not really interested in anything she tries to deliver. So I don't know. Yeah. But the um, I'm trying to think the um, I don't know. Some of the other characters were all right, but it was yeah, that was all right. Yeah. But but I mean, like you think about like just what's going on, like in the trying to the connective tissue of it. I don't know. To me, it feels. It's ambitious, and I, I'm always I always applaud something, but it's not overly ambitious either. You know, it's it's uh, I mean, like the Jeff uh, Jeff Bridges conversation uh, with the singer was uh, that was a nice conversation, like that interaction between those two characters. Yep. And, uh, and then what kind of comes about that is interesting to a degree, but then you're kind of like, well, I'm not sure what that was really, you know, what the point of that was. And then then you know when the when the cult leader shows up, but and it does turn into sort of like I said, like a, more like a siege movie. And you're like, I, okay, I guess that's what this is now. I don't know. It's just, I mean, like I said, it really does feel like kind of an old school anthology, but it's not as obvious about that. Oh, wait, but wait, though. There are chapter cards or something, right? Title cards? Uh, I don't even remember. I think there were, I think there were two or three of them. <laughs> to sort of, they did sort of break it into different sections. Because it, kind of, it would be about each one of those Sounds like Clue. Yeah. 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 It's in the rain. Yeah. It's just yeah. like a shitty, dark Clue. That doesn't uh, isn't yeah. fun at all. Yeah, no, it could have been more fun. Than I it know. could have been. Uh, they probably needed like maybe two more characters, and then just to do more with them, or like if they, if, uh, they needed Tim I, Tim I, Curry I, to be the heroin the addict. The bellhop. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> that would have been good. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm. I don't know. I can't think of anything super interesting I've seen. Have you seen I Am Mother on Netflix yet? No. About the no, about the robot that raises the baby and Hillary Swank, it's post apocalypse. Okay. They're in a bunker. I that don't know. Be it's 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 not great, but it has like some interesting ideas and I really like and the robot Netflix the, movies for a ch- if, that that is Netflix movies, man. Most of yeah. them see they're not great, but the idea like Yeah, like you know? Bird Box. Yeah. It, it's like they got a great concept but didn't maybe didn't just stick the landing or whatever. But it's yeah. I don't know, it makes you think a little, um afterwards. It's just like I don't know, it asks a bunch of questions, but I won't spoil it for you. Thanks. Yeah, no, I watched the the Perfection. That's the most recent Netflix movie I watched. Uh, I saw I, I saw the I don't know I don't know what makes me pick them or not pick them to watch sooner rather than later. Like I haven't even watched Bird Box yet. I think I've actually oh, really? that one was decent. But I, I part of it is like when you have Netflix and it's a Netflix original. There's no sense of that weird panicked immediacy. Like, like we're uh, like we're gathering all the feudal West guys here tonight to watch the two FX movies oh, yeah. because w- <laughs> what FX one is available on streaming right now, like via Amazon or something. And Amazon is the fucking worst for that. You know, you're like, oh, cool, it's on, and then like, a week later, they pull like, where did? Why is it not there? So I, I mean, you yeah, should I, have that in your collection, though. If I you should, don't, don't, if you don't, I you're... don't know if you can get part one. I'm sure I could look around and find it. Like it's I got it's on Kino. Oh, Kino has part one because that's where I got part two. Yeah, uh, Kino has the rights to both of them. I'm pretty sure nice. um, the yeah. spines look the same. Um, I just, know that's just, that nice. Just one has the <laughs> deadly art of illusion. Oh, <laughs> you we're gonna watch Bluey. Beautiful. Yep. Yeah, no, it's gonna be nice. Um, <laughs> what's on? No, I, what's I've on the? I've been into a lot more, more older '70s movies and stuff, but yeah. So that, that the perfection is the one that, with Allison Williams, and it's about like two cello players. It, it, the first, like, I mean, I won't spoil it for you if you haven't seen no, it. I haven't. Um, uh, the first, I'm, I'm fairly certain that there's probably a lot of like cultural subtextual stuff going on, and I get some of it, and I don't care to 
get the rest of it, you know? But, uh, like, the first, like, where it starts to go in that first act or something is kind of different and interesting. And so, like, the first half of the movie is, is interesting and cool. And then it kind of turns into, I don't know, sort of what I sort of figured it was going to turn into. And that wasn't hmm. so great, but... Yeah, no, I've, I've, I'm looking at my letterboxes all kinds of all over the place. I've got Le Mans. I watched that recently, that um, Steve McQueen movie, which is oh, awesome. Oh, cool. Have you seen that? No, before? no, I haven't. That's a good, like, lazy Sunday movie. Honestly, like, that's a good one for your... I, <laughs> I started watching it while I was on my elliptical machine. <laughs> because it's, it's it, a lot of it is... Um, documentary style footage that they shot of the race at the time and then they just kind of weave this mildly melodramatic story of a couple different racers at different phases of their career or whatever to make it a movie you know just to kind of tie in a bit of a movie to it but the 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 camera work and the racing is is cool and it just looks really good on on blu-ray i'll check i thought it did i'll check but but like i said yeah it's kind of just like you know, you're just watching a lot of racing at one point, like it's a, like it's a documentary a bit or something, but cool footage. And so, you know, it's like put it on while you're, you know, while it's setting itself up in the first third and be on your machine, and then maybe like eat lunch and watch the middle half of it. You know, yeah, <laughs> it, it, you know, because it's not necessarily gonna, you know, have like a story that's gonna like pull you along the whole time. You just kind of have to watch it I guess you can't have it on in the background while you're like looking at your phone or you'll miss stuff yeah <laughs> or you'll, you'll miss the experience of watching it I guess my, opposed to, uh, my letterbox is like all over the place like uh, as I'm looking at it right now I'm like alright like this is like a children's movie I saw with my son and then I see like some like fucked up horror movie and then I'm watching something <laughs> stupid um, yeah. like Leprechaun on the elliptical machine and then because I have all these different occasions right so it's like alright right, I got family movie time I got my own movie time I got theater time I got uh, elliptical machine time and it's like you gotta yeah. have something to fit each of those but yeah I'm, I'm actually looking for some more elliptical machine content so I will take uh, I will take some race car movies yeah, next that, time yes yeah, I feel like I feel like just like with uh, dinner time stuff if I, I feel like uh, for me, it's either a movie that I think is, good, is is already kind of long, but broken up enough. Like something like Magnolia, I, I started on my elliptical machine because I knew that there would be an easy out point, you know, 20 minutes in or something. It would fade to black with one story about ready to start or something. So I could just pause it or, you know, take a shower, make some food, <laughs> come back to it an hour later. I mean, uh, whatever. So you kind of do look for those like anthology type movies or movies that I think will maybe have a challenging opening you know, tough to get through, but you get through the opening because of that or because you're eating lunch or something like that. Yeah, and I'm looking at my other <laughs> diary listings here and I'm just like, all right, like, <laughs> if you're ever wondering, like, why I'm in the mood for something stupid, uh, it's probably because it was $2 and I bought, oh, sure. I bought it used and that's my mood, that's my occasion. I'm, yeah, I think I'm the other way around, though, on elliptical machine content. I need something that's, like, I don't know, paced really well. Like, I can't have, like... A Nicholas Winden Refn like slow, t- sure, you know, one word conversations and long pauses and all that. I gotta watch something retarded like Jigsaw on mute, <laughs> on mute to like because it's like visually interesting and I'm like I really don't care about Jigsaw, oh, but uh, I'll like listen to music while I watch Jigsaw and it's like something to like distract me from like ch- <laughs> checking my timer. I'm like, all right, I've been oh. I've been jogging for like 30 minutes. 
and you know all these people have been killed and sometimes <laughs> I get like a good laugh out of it like le- right. like leprechaun I watched over like a couple workouts and I sure loved it like the, each workout was better than the next because I hadn't seen leprechaun in so long the original OG leprechaun yes. and like Zach said they introduced that character trait where he's got the OCD that is the best uh, that is the best and character they, they weakness give up on it yeah that would be like in glass if uh, like Sarah Pauly would be trying to convince him he's not a leprechaun and <laughs> they'd, there'd be a shitload of shoes in his cell <laughs> that would be great oh man yeah, I feel like somebody like a David Gordon Green should come around and do a Halloween-style Leprechaun soft reboot sequel. You know, with like where like we you, with all the with events of Leprechaun. Oh, absolutely! All, not with Hornswoggle. <laughs> all all the all the events of Leprechaun One count. Leprechaun Origins with Hornswoggle, where he's just like in a burlap sack or whatever. Like that is not a thing. And you know all the other ones like you know take place in a you know in a, an, an appendix universe or something. Yeah, no, I dig it. Oh, another thing I've been uh, working out to is Tales from the Crypt episodes. They're tight, sure. tight, thirty yeah. minutes, interesting, uh, creepy, funny. Like it just I don't know. That seems like good content, but they're like twenty bucks a season or whatever on Prime. And they're not oh, they're wow. not streaming available yet. Maybe they're on HBO now. I guess I haven't seen that yet. But um, th- oh, that's know, that's a good be. pointer because it was an HBO show. So if you have HBO, just check the TV. And I think that all the HBO TV should be on there, right? Isn't that kind of the deal? But I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I don't know if it started how they were made because yeah. they're not widescreen and they're they are really shitty quality. They look like like you want like. I'm expecting like tracking to come up on the screen. They're so oh, low quality, but it has it has that you can pretend it has that charm because of the kind of stories that they are. Yeah, it's like you're it's like you're reading a visual pulp novel that's you know you got it at flea market. Plus, and, and <laughs> plus, like they're I mean they're great. I mean I watched them you know when I was young, but uh, they're great just like seeing familiar faces. Like just reading the credits on some of those season one when it's like Richard Donner and Robert Zemeckis and. Right. Alan Silvestri doing the music and Dean Cundy, you know, all kinds of names and faces on all those episodes. And they're all a little different and they're all wrapped up in 30 minutes. So, <laughs> yeah, no, that, low, there's low commitment. So, something to be said for a solid anthology series. And like you said, that's that's good content for, you know, a 20 minute exercise or, or whatever. Um, yeah, I try not. I don't like to do movies when I'm exercising, but I don't always have enough shows, and I go through phases where I'm not as into shows as I am movies or something. I mean, like, see, right now, but right now I'm kind of doing a little bit of both. Like, I'm you know finishing up season th- rewatching season three of Deadwood because I haven't seen it since it came out. Ready to watch? Get get ready to watch the movie. And I I I mean, season three is that the one with the f- been- the fight. Between her sky yeah. and all right, I will, yeah. Season three was great. You know, I've watched. Uh, so I've kind of been splitting the difference between like seventy stuff and all kinds of. Like I watched Network here recently. And that was good. Yeah, I've never seen that. You've never seen it. Yeah, nope. I, I think. I think it's. Um, I mean, it's a satire to a degree, but it. You know, I think depending on. On all that, the different factors there. You can kind of take it either way. Um, <laughs> hmm. uh, I had a, for some pretty good special features for just being kind of a straightforward Blu-ray too. I mean, it wasn't like a Criterion or anything, hmm. but like there's some interview with Patty Chayefsky and him talking about television. Um, 
you know, and the idea. I mean, he, he makes a, a really obvious point that I think a lot of us are aware of now, but people are sort of less aware of because it's, you know, the whole point of television and everything else is to kind of, it's like, you know, yeah, it's fine for escapism and entertainment, but, you know, you don't like, think anything on that is real, you know, or serious. I mean, even right down to the news, you know, it's like somebody might interview me for an hour and use five minutes of that to construct something. And like, that's not going to necessarily, <laughs> that'll make me seem like I'm smarter than I am or meaner than, you know, and all that stuff is of course relevant now with even yeah. more so or all that you know so so i don't know i i enjoy it enjoy it as a as a as a movie it's one of those movies though that has um like uh stanley kubrick's the killing it has a uh, voiceover narration that i think kind of undermines it a little oh yeah no but that's always both, like style their style choices yeah kind of. i think i think in network it's even more so kind of like a weird like well you didn't need to do this it's like mid-70s like in in the killing well, they didn't need to do it either. <laughs> yeah, or Blade, but, or but Blade Runner. Was kind yeah. Of, yeah. I always take that when I hear that. Like, unless it's like the assassination of Jesse James, you know, where it's like telling us a, a story and it makes sense. Like, I feel like that's always a bad sign when you hear that. Just because right. it's like, people aren't going to get this if we don't have voiceover narration or whatever, so... Well, that's a good reminder. Yeah, I just recently watched that because, you know, I kind of so if I, if I'm at a loss of what to watch, I sometimes let whatever the film junk guys are talking about you know, guide me because I I'd never seen it. I knew it was long, yeah, and kind of slow, it's brutally long. At, but I knew, but I knew it was pretty. And yeah, it's Deacon's. Um, yeah, he's. It's, yeah, it's and it, it looks really good. It's really well performed. But I mean, I think my review was that it's just kind of overwrought. <laughs> yeah, it's it's too it's a little too self indulgent. I think. Yeah, Jesse, Je- the Jesse James movie. Uh, uh, yeah, it could have been because all the like subplot stuff with the Jeremy Renner character and other things. It seemed like that isn't really all that relevant to the relationship between Ford and James, which is what the story should really have been mostly about. So you're cutting to these other characters and what's happening with them. And to me, it's, it's not that like every single scene needs to have either James or Ford, but maybe it kind of should. If yeah, I mean, <laughs> you have enough. You have enough. You have a whole movie worth of good scenes with that does. So why do you have to then make it bigger with scenes that doesn't? Scenes that don't. That don't. Where the consequences are those? I mean, maybe I'm missing something from a plot standpoint, but it didn't seem like any of the stuff that happened there really had much effect over on the greater story arc. Yeah. You know? So that was my main conflict was there. Or, or, or criticism was just like I didn't need this other stuff. Yeah, these other characters. I needed them to build their relationship faster. And if he had shot him like midway through the movie or something, and then you get to see with like his struggle of like you know thinking he's a hero or whatever, and he does his whole like you know he puts on a road show or whatever with Sam Rockwell's character and all that stuff. I'd rather see. I'd rather be interested in the the infamy, like what it's like for that character like after something like that happened i would have rather seen a movie like that but you wouldn't have gotten all the cool um you know train robbery type stuff unless they could fast track that somehow but yeah that movie was just way too long too much yeah Yeah. (laughs) too convoluted yeah and i want to say so the 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 nick cave Warren score has got this little twinkly sounding thing in it at the very beginning and they go back to it a few times and I don't know if that if that's them referencing something else or if that's actually what they use. But I mean, you've seen Turner classic movies, mm-hmm. 
the, the, the TV channel. Not in a while, but yeah, I know. But, but but that twinkly sound or something almost exactly like it is what they use almost all the time when they're cutting to like their oh. like between between movies. Then they cut to a uh, like oh these are the next three movies that are coming up or so or, or something. And I'm like that is the weirdest thing. Like <laughs> the, if they would have picked something from a fairly modern movie from this score or is it an element from some older score that they kind of homage in the newer you know I don't know I didn't research it but hmm. I mean like anything can be googled but that's when you have three people on a podcast so that one of them can be doing that while the other two carry on 